how's everybody doing tonight? Spring break is literally next week. Well, we are so glad that you guys are here. I know y'all are looking forward to spring break. How many of you have exciting spring break plans coming up? Wow, not a lot of you. All right, all right. Well, I hope you guys have the best spring break. Y'all deserve it. You've worked hard this year, and I know it's going to be an awesome time. So tonight, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to think back to what life looked like one year ago. I want you to think back to what life looked like one year ago and what has changed since March of 2020. Corona, thank you for stating the obvious. I really appreciate that. All right, in March of last year, I want to know if you guys remember these things. Kanye had just announced that he was running for president. Tom Brady had not yet signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The royal family was still one big happy family. Tiger King was the most popular show on Netflix. How many Tiger King fans do we have in here? Wow, that, man, that, that kind of hurts my feelings. Outer Banks had not been released yet on Netflix. How many Outer Banks fans do we have? Y'all like Outer Banks better than Tiger King? That's really disappointing. Toilet paper was still in full supply. We'd never heard of the words social distancing or quarantine, and most of us had never, ever worn a mask in public. Well, I'm sorry that that's false for you. So exactly one year ago was actually the last Wednesday night that, that we met together as a student ministry before everything shut down. And if you remember, we were meeting over in the point RIP, that's, that's really sad. And it was the last Wednesday night that, that we were all together. We had just announced that, that we were going to camp. We had all of these exciting summer plans. And Matthew and I were actually getting ready to take a group of you to Honduras. We were leaving that weekend to go on a mission trip to Honduras. And I'll never, I'll never forget that Wednesday night because right before our service started, we actually got a call that we were going to have to cancel our trip. And we were going to have to cancel our trip because Honduras was, was just a few days away from closing their borders. And unfortunately, had we gone, we most likely would have not been able to get back into the country. And no offense, the last thing I wanted to do was be stuck in a foreign country with like 25 of you. That does not sound fun. And that Wednesday night was kind of the first time where we began to realize that our world was changing that some changes were getting ready to take place. And I don't think, if we're being honest, any of us could have imagined some of the changes that would take place over the course of the next year. And during this past year, each one of us has experienced change. We've all been impacted by the pandemic at one point or another. We've all had to adjust our routines and our schedules. We've missed out on exciting opportunities and things we had planned. We've changed how we interact and how we spend time with one another. And it's forced us to identify what are the most important things in our life. And we've experienced change in almost every single area. And when you think about change, change can often leave us feeling all different types of emotions. Change can leave us feeling uneasy and uncomfortable. It can leave us feeling lonely and disappointed. It can leave us feeling stressed and anxious, even surprised and caught off guard. And sometimes change brings about a combination of all of these feelings. 
We all experience different types of emotions when we walk through change in our life. And so tonight, I want us to look at the story of a man who experienced significant change in his life. And he experienced significant change in his life, kind of like the change that you and I have experienced over the past year. Now, if you've grown up in church at all or, or you're familiar with the Bible, you've probably heard of this man before. In fact, he's one of the most popular characters throughout Scripture, and he actually has an entire museum created after him and after his story. And in the book of Genesis, we find a man by the name of Noah. How many of you have heard of Noah before? All right. Now, Noah wasn't this famous person. He wasn't wealthy. He wasn't popular. He was a very ordinary man. He had a great family that loved the Lord, and and he lived this very comfortable life. Until one day, God came to Noah, and he spoke to him. And he completely changed his entire life. And that's where we pick up our story in Genesis chapter 6. It's going to be on the screen behind me. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it says this. Now these are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God. And Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with wickedness. God saw how corrupt the earth was, for every creature had corrupted its way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have decided to put an end to every creature. For the earth is filled with wickedness because of them. Therefore, I am going to destroy them along with the earth. You see, Noah was was a really good guy. He loved God. He chose to follow him. And Noah desired to, to lead his family to follow after the Lord. And as God is speaking to Noah, as he comes to Noah, God begins to share that he's frustrated. He's not frustrated with Noah He's not frustrated with Noah's family, but in fact, he's frustrated with everyone surrounding Noah. He's frustrated with mankind. You see, ever since the beginning of the world, ever since Adam and Eve were created, the population had just begun to explode. The population multiplied very quickly, and more and more people began to inhabit the earth. But the issue was that many people were starting to walk away from God. Many people were were turning to false gods, were turning to false teachings, were placing their hope in the wrong different things. And as time went on, the earth became more and more wicked. And it became more and more corrupt. And God had become frustrated. This has become a problem to God. Here he had created this entire creation. All of these people that he loves, that he wants a personal relationship with, and they've turned their back against him. And because creation had turned on him, God God came up with this plan. And in order to solve this problem of wickedness, he was going to have to destroy the earth. And I want you to listen to what he says to Noah in verse 14. He says, go make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it with pitch. It's just like tar. Inside and outside. And this is how you are to make it. The ark will be 450 feet long. 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. You are to make a roof, finishing the sides of the ark to within 18 inches of the roof. And you are to put a door in the side of the ark. Make it with lower, middle, and upper decks. Understand that I am bringing a flood. Flood waters on the earth to destroy every creature under heaven with the breath of life in it. 
and everything on earth will perish. So God begins to give Noah these very specific instructions. And God informs Noah that, that he's bringing this entire, this huge flood that's going to cover the entire world. And it's going to destroy all of, all of the wickedness. This sin that, that has just inhabited the world. And because this flood is coming, Noah needs to build this massive boat called an ark. And literally the only way I can kind of describe it to you is I want you to just think of a massive cruise ship made out of wood. It was this huge floating vessel. It had kind of multiple levels to it. And the Bible tells us that, that kind of in, in our terms now, it would have been about a football field and a half long. It was this massive boat, and it needed to be able to withstand the flood. And here's what needed to be able to fit inside of it. It needed to have specific dimensions because certain things had to fit inside of it. Look, look in verse 18. He says, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you will enter the ark with your sons and your wife and your son's wives. You are also to bring into the ark two of all the living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of everything, from the birds according to their kinds, from the livestock according to their kinds, and from the animals that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. They will come to you so that you can keep them alive. Take with you every kind of food that is eaten, Gather it as food for you and for them. And Noah did this. He did everything that God had commanded him. So within this ark that, that he was to build, Noah had to fit several important things. First of all, there needed to be enough space for, for Noah and for his family and for his sons and their wives. There needed to be enough space for them to be able to live and to survive this flood. And there also needed to be two animals of every kind a male and a female animal of every kind. I want you to think about like how many animals that is. The Bible, Bible kind of refers to the fact that there's about 35,000 different types of animals at this point in creation. 35,000 different types of animals had to be able to fit inside this ark. And you can imagine kind of how gross that was. Like, think of your least favorite animal, and, and those animals were inhabiting the inside of this ark. And Noah was going to be living with them for a long period of time. Not only did he have to have enough space for him and for the animals, he also had to have enough food. He had to have enough food to keep them alive for an extended period of time so that they could outlast this flood. And this was not going to be a quick, easy project for Noah. In fact, building the ark would take Noah years and years and years. It would take years of planning and preparation. Noah was going to have to assemble this team to come alongside and to help him. And it was going to take a lot of hard work to get this ark, to get this boat to the point that it would, would be able to survive a flood. And Bible scholars believe that it took Noah approximately 70 years to build this boat. It took him kind of the course of, of one of our entire lives to build this boat. And it, it, it was going to take him so long, but it had to be complete and it had to be able to survive this flood. Look in Genesis chapter 7, it says this, Now Noah was 600 years old when the flood came and water covered the earth. Let that sink in for a minute. He was 600 years old by the time the flood came and it covered the earth. 
And Noah, his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives entered the ark because of the floodwaters. From the animals that are clean and from the animals that are not clean, and from the birds and every creature that crawls on the ground, two of each of them, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark, just as God had commanded him. And seven days later, the floodwaters came onto the earth. And the flood continued for 40 days. The water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. And he wiped out every living creature that was on the face of the earth. From mankind to livestock to creatures that crawled to the birds of the sky and they were wiped off the earth. Only Noah was left and those that were with him in the ark. So Noah builds this ark. He stocks it with all the supplies that he's going to need to survive this time period. And as these floods raged for 40 days on the earth, Noah was tasked with, with taking care of his family and taking care of the animals. And finally, when the water subsided, when the water had gone down to the point where, where he could kind of open the door to the ark and see what was going on, he was literally the only person left on this entire planet. It was him, his family, and the animals that were within the ark. Now, I want you to put yourself in Noah's shoes for just a moment. I want you to kind of think like Noah would have thought back in those days. Noah receives these instructions from God that his whole life is getting ready to change. Every aspect of his life is getting ready to change. The lives of his family, of his friends, of the people that are in his closest circle, the people that are around him. And you can imagine how he felt. You can imagine all of these different types of feelings and emotions that Noah experienced. I'm sure that he was worried and concerned for his friends because he knew eventually what was going to happen to them. He knew that they wouldn't be able to survive this flood. I'm sure Noah felt responsible. I'm sure he felt responsible to build the ark to the standards that God had commanded him to. And truthfully, I'm sure that he was, was terrified that this flood was coming. He was terrified at what could potentially happen to the people that he loved and to this earth that he called home. And I'm sure he didn't understand it all. I'm sure that that he didn't understand everything. He didn't know the details, the specific details of God's plan. But whether he understood what God was asking him to do or not didn't matter. It didn't matter because change was happening in his life regardless. Change was going to happen to Noah whether he understood it or not. He was going to experience change in his life. And Noah had a choice. He had a choice. He could choose to embrace this change in his life and to do what God had called him to do. Or he could choose to run from this change in his life and to be disobedient to what God had asked of him. And here's the crazy thing. Noah's life actually depended on whether he embraced change or if he ran from it. His entire life was based on whether he chose to embrace change or whether he ran from it. And because he embraced change, because he was obedient to what God had asked him to do, his life was spared. But had he run... Had he said no, had he chosen to not embrace this change in his life, he literally would have lost his life in this flood. 
He would have been killed when God sent this flood. You see, students, don't, don't miss me say this. Changes you experience in life are outside of your control. But your response to that change is within your control. Let me say that again. The changes you experience in life are outside of your control. Change is gonna happen to each one of us. Change is inevitable in our lives. But your response to that change is within your control. You are responsible for how you react to change in your life. You see, change is going to happen to each one of us. If this past year has taught us anything, it should have taught us that that change can happen and it can happen really quickly. Change can happen and it can catch us off guard. Change can surprise us and truthfully, our world can change in a matter of weeks. But we can control how we respond when that happens. And we can choose to either embrace change or to run from it. You know, as we look back on this past year, I know that there's some of you that have experienced some change in your life. And that change hasn't come from the pandemic. That change hasn't come from what's going on in the world around us. But, but you've experienced some type of change in your personal life. Maybe in the middle of all of this craziness, you've experienced some changes within your family. There's some tension at home, some things are shifting, and you're not totally sure what's going on, but you've experienced some change at home. Some of you have experienced change within your relationships. I know that, that COVID hasn't been helpful for, for some friendships, and you've experienced conflict and tension with your friends. Some of you started a brand new school this year, and you experienced a change where you go to school. In addition to all the changes that you've experienced with quarantine and with your schedule. And I know so many of you have been impacted by changes to your sports teams and the things that, that you love to do. But I know that there are also some of you in this room who are getting ready to experience some major change. Seniors, you guys are just a few months away from experiencing one of the most major changes in life from graduating high school and starting this new phase and, and having to make all of these decisions that, that could potentially impact your life. Eighth graders, you guys are just a few months away from beginning high school and transitioning to a new school with a new schedule and new people. And change is inevitable in our life. It's going to happen no matter what. So I wanna give you two questions to consider. The next time that you're faced with change, I want you to, to think through these questions. Because I truly believe that if we can be honest and we can answer these questions honestly, that will help us to, to embrace change rather to run from it. So when you experience change in your life, a great question that you can begin to ask yourself is this. What is God trying to teach me? What is God trying to teach me? You see, even in the midst of change, God is still working in our life. God still has a plan for our life. We still have a purpose. And even when we don't feel it or we're confused about what's going on, God is still at work in those moments. And God will often use times of change to teach us the most valuable lessons. 
It's in times of change where we, where we realize who God really is, where we begin to, to rely on God and to put our faith and our trust in him. It's also during times of change where we can lean into God's promises, promises that, he, that he's never going to leave us, that he's going to take care of us, that he's always going to be there. And when I look back in my life, it's those times of change where God has taught me the most. It's those times of change where, where I was so reliant on God and he revealed himself to me in a, in a way that, that I had never seen him before. And it's been in times of change that my faith has actually grown the most. And so when you experience change, I want you to lean into what God is trying to teach you through that. Don't look at change as a wasted opportunity. Don't get frustrated by it. But instead, ask yourself, what is God trying to teach me through this? Because God doesn't waste opportunities in our life. He is working and in the midst of every single thing that we go through. The second question that I want you to consider is this. How does God want to use me? In the midst of change, how does God want to use me? You see, no one in this room has a perfect life. And no one enjoys being around someone who acts like they have it all together. My least favorite people to hang out with are people that, that act like they have a perfect life and that their life is good all the time. And the cool thing about change is that change makes us relatable. It makes us real. It's something that, that we all go through and we all experience. And because we experience change differently, because we walk through different situations of change, it enables us to connect with other people. It enables us to walk through seasons of change alongside other people. And maybe, just maybe, the reason that you're going through this change that you're going through right now in life is because God wants to use it in someone else's life. Even in the midst of change, God desires to use us to meet the needs of others. And change makes us relatable. It makes us real. And we can be a blessing to other people when, when we are real and when we are honest and when we embrace that change that's going on in our life. So the next time that you're faced with change, I want you to, I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I going to embrace it? Am I gonna react like Noah and be obedient to what God has called me to do and where God has called me to be? Or am I gonna run from it? Am I gonna get frustrated and discouraged? And am I gonna run from the changes that are going on in my life? Would you join with me as we pray? Father, I thank you so much that you allow us to experience changes in our life. Despite how difficult they are and how much we can struggle with them, God, you desire to teach us even in the midst of change. And you desire to grow us and to develop us and for us to become more like you even when we're struggling and even when we're in the midst of change. And Father, I thank you so much for the example that Noah has set for us. God, Noah was so obedient to follow after you despite the fact that he didn't understand his circumstances. He wasn't sure what was going to happen to him. 
but he knew a change was coming and he chose to embrace it. And so Father, I pray tonight that we would all choose to have that same mindset, that we would choose to embrace change, no matter how scary or how nerve wracking or how uncomfortable it is. Because God, you can do so much more in our life through, through a season of change. And God, we become so much more real to the people around us when we're honest about where we're at. So I pray if there's a, a student that's in here tonight that's struggling with whatever change that's going on in their life, God, that you would remind them that you are right there, you have not left them, and God, that, that we are to embrace change. We are to be open to what you are trying to teach us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.